Hello and welcome to the Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Wyatt McPherson, I produce this show, and today our host Don Cooper is joined by the man behind Bluefish and the author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, Mr. Steve Sims. Steve is on the show today for part one of a three-part conversation covering everything from his story of writing his book in this first part to discussing how you can surround yourself with the best people and what the key to wealth might just be in episodes two and three. So definitely make sure you check out our other episodes with Steve after this one and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss any episodes in the future. But with all that said, I truly do hope that you enjoy this episode of the Amplifier Podcast. Now please take it away, Dawn. Well, let's talk about blue fishing. I, I'm, you know, when I, I've got your, I've got your blue fish playbook here in front of me. And, you know, what I wrote down that struck me as I'm reading these 45 things at the end of your book and uh, was it, it feels like the street fighters MBA. Like if you read these 45 things and figure this out, you don't need to go to school. <laughs> you know, that book, that book was a complete clusterfuck. Um, now you mentioned genius network earlier. So yeah. we've all been around successful authors we've all been around people that have done you know five ten fifteen books okay and they they submit a transcript and then they applied to different publishers and publishing houses put them on return i had none of that mine was a complete and utter cluster um i was in a bar it's been known to happen and um (laughs) I met someone, I was telling stories. She ran off and got someone else and said, tell that story again. And a week later, someone said, would you do a book? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And they said, yeah, we'd like you to do a book and we'd like you to name names and all the kind of things you do and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, "Um, if I named all the people I was doing business with, I'm dead before cocktail hour. So I'm going to go with a no on that. And then they contacted me after doing a little bit of digging. And they said, and bear in mind, at at no point was I thinking of becoming an author. No point. So then they contacted me and they went, hey, we've been doing some digging. How does a a bricklayer who got kicked out of school at the age of 15 have have the Vatican and Elon Musk in their phone book? You know, how does that happen? How do you work for Elton John for eight years? How do you deal with Richard Branson? How do you deal with richer people that no one have ever heard of that own things like countries. And then I have to admit, um, they offered me a, a big bucket of cash, which is just <laughs> obscene. And this was all pre-COVID, so I don't think anyone's going to see a retainer like that again, unless you're Obama or something. Um, but uh, I got offered this retainer, so I thought, hang on a minute. I get paid. I can write what the shit I like. If it sells two copies, who cares? You yeah. know? So. Um, so it's kind of really weird. So I was able to start chatting with people and they gave me this, uh, it was good. They gave me this ghostwriter, but they said, you don't need a ghostwriter, you need a translator. You need someone <laughs> that can get into your head and translate it into a format that normal people can understand. And I'm like, yeah, now bear in mind, anyone out there thinking of releasing a book, by now you hate me because you've been subscribed, you've been submitting transcripts for 10 years I just went to a bar, told stories and got drunk. Um, (laughs) But the lesson in that is great things happen when you're in great rooms. You know, I have always made sure I'm in brilliant rooms. I'm notorious and Genius Network is one of them. And so for anyone that remembers me doing this to them, it's your fault. But when I go and sit at a table, 
I'll look at the table that I'm on, quickly try and have a conversation with someone. And if I feel as though I'm not going to get on with these people, and it's going to be a two-day rub because I'm now at this table, I'll be like, you have a good time. And I'll get up and I'll go and sit on. I don't care if my name's on that table. I'll bring me own chair. You know, I will just go and find a table that I want to be in. So I always, I've always had the, hey, I'm not settling. Yeah. You know, I demand the best. So I always make sure that I'm in a good room. So again, to repeat, so you guys can make note of it, good things happen when you're in good rooms. And so I got this book deal, decided to write the book um, or to have it written for me, you know, through a ghostwriter um, and thought, okay, I'm going to spit out there the way that I work. And you brought up the bullet points and okay. you're going to find this funny. So when I started working with Megan, this girl that wrote the book, she said, so what's it going to be? And I went, I don't know. I've never written a book. She's like, well, how would you like to keep the start? What would you like the reaction? This getting all these, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, stop picking on me. You know, I just, I didn't know anything. So what we did was we actually wrote down bullet points of what yeah. we're going to cover. So you're not going to believe it, but the bullet points came before the book. Yeah, no, I and believe then, it because that's how I've done it. Yeah. and so I've done the right. exact same thing. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I write down eight or 10 key bullet points with three or four talking points on it. Says, this is what I want to cover. I don't know what it's going to be, but let's chat. <laughs> All right. So yeah. what we did was we put, we put together those bullet points, not all of them, but, you know, some of the ones that you've seen. And we started chatting and she wrote three chapters and she submitted the three chapters. And what she did was she submitted the three chapters. And I don't know how many chapters are in there. But then what she did was she did the bullet points that would be for all the other chapters. Right. And they came back to her, and it was Simon Schuster. And they went, why aren't there bullet points for the first three chapters? And so she went, okay. So she gave the, the bullet points, and they turned that into the end of each chapter. So at the end of it, each chapter, there's bullet points that were covered, almost yeah. like a cheat sheet of what happened in that chapter. It was never supposed to be in a book. Right. And they liked it, so it became the book. And then I enjoyed that myself when I I tell you I was having uh, having all these uh, this British family descend on our house. We were having to get ready. We live out in the country on three acres, so there's just a lot of shit to do around the yard. And so I jump on my John Deere mower and I put in my earbuds and I listen to your book. And my favorite part, you know, as I'm listening, was how you summarized each chapter. And so, you know, here, here's the blue fishing tip and, and, and bang, bang, bang. And it was, I thought that was a really great way to deliver on that, particularly the fact that you, you, you read the book from, a, from an audible standpoint, right? Oh, there is so many cluster things to tell you. Let, let me run through a few of the clusters. So they phoned me up and they said, uh, your book's being released. I think it was October the 13th, 2017. Mm -hmm. And they said, the book comes out on there. Uh, you're going to need to do a launch. What's a launch? Now, of course, <laughs> you know, I know great people. And I'm like, what's a launch? And they said, and I phoned up. You know, we know Brendan Bouchard, we know Jay Abraham, we know JJ Virgin, we know a whole bunch of people that have done lots of books. And I phoned up these authors and I said, What's a launch? And they went, Well, usually, you know, you will get a get a table at a very high-end 
um, Barnes and Noble or something like that, and you'll do author's copies and you'll sign them. And you've had the pleasure of meeting me, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you didn't know me, I'm not the guy that you would want to approach in a dark room, you know? <laughs> I'm 245 pounds of, of ugly, you know? And so I thought to myself, if I'm sitting in my local Barnes and Noble on a Saturday afternoon, who's going to walk past with their little kids in their hand going, hello, Mary, let's go and chat to that man. And he looks interesting, you know? And so I just thought that's not going to work. And they went, oh, we've got to send you a check. Now, I always loved it when they said that. And I'm <laughs> thinking, all right, what's this going to be? And I got a check for $2,500. Okay. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, and they said, that's for you to rent the table, be able to kind of get some covering for it, get some champagne, maybe a couple of people to help you, some glasses. And I'm like, no, I am not sitting at a table in Barnes and Noble. You've got to be kidding. So I went, I'll handle it. Now, of course, I knew nothing, which I believe actually became an advantage for me. Okay. So I went, I'll get it sorted. So what I did was there was this uh, whiskey bar. Uh, the Everly on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, Sunset Boulevard. And I always used to end up there whenever I was in that area. So I just went in there and I said, look, I've got this check. I'll sign it over to you. When we run out of money, turn the lights on, kick us out. I'll invite some friends. And they were like, sure, Steve. So I phoned up a bunch of friends. And of course, you know, again, I know good people. So it was like Lewis Howells. I invited Jay Abraham um, and Caleb Maddox, uh, Greg Reed. Jim Quick, uh, um, Cole and Sonia Hatter, you know, a whole bunch of influencers, marketers, people with their own groups and stuff that I knew. Yeah. And I just said, look, just get, now some of those don't even drink. I said, just come with me. We're just going to get drunk. Apparently, in my contract, I have to do a launch. So we'll get a couple of photographs and that'll be it. So um, I had to, Debbie turn up to shoot a few pictures. But this, something happened that was weirder. So she shot half dozen pictures. Oh, and this was the thing. Simon Schuster said to us, you've got to make sure there's a display. Wherever you're doing this thing, it's got to be a display of your books. So they sent me a box of books. So on the night, we shoved these box of books, literally took them out, stuck them on the edge of the bar, just left <laughs> them there for the night and said to everyone in the bar, grab a book if you like. No one grabbed a book. We ended up taking them all home. Um, but we did this. We did this night. We did the launch. So I'm, you know, we took some photographs, sent them some photographs, and they came back to me and they went, "You've done nothing to promote this book." I'd mentioned it on Facebook and stuff, and you know that'd be it. But I didn't have a big following. In fact, Instagram. I remember I had 16 followers on Instagram, and I think 15 of those were lost. Um, just got me confused with someone else. So I went, oh, God. and they went, you, you don't even have the page. You've got to put a website together to promote this book. It's in your contract. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. And so I didn't have any footage. I had a few photographs. But on that day, the gods of the Irish were looking down on me. Because there's this evil little bitch called Sonia Hatter. And I mean that with love. They, Cole and Sonia had run a big event in, in Vegas called Thrive. Um, she had secretly videoed this night and she had secretly gone around to people and interviewed them 
in various states of drunkenness <laughs> about what they saw of Steve. Now, if you go to shallow plug, there's nothing to sell. But if you go to stevedsims.com, scroll yeah. down a little bit, you'll see this video. All right. So that afternoon, as I'm thinking, shit, I'm out of contract. I've got to start this. She sent me this video and she said, I didn't want to tell you, but here's a surprise for you. And she sent me the video. And I was like, that's brilliant. And of course, at the beginning, everyone's like, oh, to have Steve Sims write a book, it's an honor. You know, it's a great, you know, he's done well for this. He's a good son. It's all sober shit. And then it goes on, and all of a sudden, like, he's an arsehole. I didn't even know he could read, let alone write a book. You know? Yep. It's like the people that go, oh, Steve, oh, yeah, no, he's such a good man. And he's they don't really know you, but your buddies turn around and go, oh, he's a prick, you know, but he'll get it done. You know, that's the real. So I thought, screw it. I'm not going to be anyone that I'm not. So I literally, I posted this video up on, at the time, just a single page. And I think the first month, we sold 400 copies. Not 1,000, yeah. 400. Yeah. Now, anyone that's ever written a book knows how embarrassing that is. Now, Marry it to the retainer I got from the largest publishing house in America. This is a this is an insult, and then being slapped. Yeah. And so the following month, because um, it took you know just over a month to put the website together, the following month, three hundred and something copies were sold. So I remember speaking to Simon and Schuster, and they were like, "Don't call us. We'll we'll call you with updates." <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. So then the website came out, and I posted it, and I sent a few people to it. And I went, hey, this is how Steve Sims does a book launch. And um, the following month, it was 8,000 copies. And it just went from there. And yeah. now it's been translated and become a bestseller in Thailand, Vietnam, Korea, uh, China. It was released in Mandarin Chinese. Um, Poland, it sold out in two hours. Um, and uh, they just released, I think, three months ago in Russian. Yeah, and I so, saw you. I saw you uh, posting about it being in Russian. I went, "Wow!" Yeah. Oh no, it's just <laughs> what <the> hell? <laughs> But you said you said about the audible being in my my name. So yeah. I had a, a friend of Tucker Max's is an agent. So I had this really cool agent uh, over Folio, and um, he contacted me and he said, "Look." Simon and Schuster have contacted us because they've sold the rights for your book to be on Audible. And I'm like, great. Do I get any money out of that? And they went, no, <laughs> it's part of your retainer. So I went, oh, well, then, then yes. Um, <laughs> and they said, um, but they need your approval on the voiceovers. And they went, below are three of the voiceovers out of however many they had that they like. So I listened to these three voiceovers and each one read like two pages. And it was all Americans trying to put on a slightly British accent. Yeah. And I've got an old English bulldog. He's like 10 years yeah. old and never seems to die, but farts a lot. And <laughs> I sent an email back to my agent saying, look, my old English bulldog's left testicle could do a better British accent than anyone here. But if I had to choose, I'd pick number, I don't know, two, three, one, whatever. There were only three options. So in my agent's wisdom, he decides, well, I'm not going to edit that email from Steve. I'm just going to forward it. 
So then Simon Schuster sends an email to my agent, CCs me and says on it, if Steve's old English Bulldog's left testicle's not available to do a voiceover, does Steve want to do it? So I actually, and you're going to love this, I had to interview with two other people to read my own book. And guess what? I got the job. So, so that was it. So I didn't, um, it was hilarious. But it's just been a cluster all the way along. And I've been reinventing every element. Like I've had people going, oh, you should have done the forward, but got someone else to read the book. You know, your book launch should have sold printed copies uh, signed by you. You should have done this. You should have done that. I didn't do any of that. And it's done just fine. Um, yes. And it's just been it's just been fun. But the daft thing is, as you know, I run a concierge firm prior to that. I haven't mm -hmm. touched that like in over three years now because I'm now literally flying. And this morning, I got two gig offers, one for Thailand, one for Singapore this morning. So I'm flying around the planet, speaking, teaching, coaching. I got my own media company because, as I say, I've always done things my way. So now yeah. I've got Sims.media that shows how everyone else can personally brand and market. Um, and it's a great journey. I'm really enjoying it. Has all that media and uh, speaking gigs happened because of the book, or yeah. were you doing a bunch of that? Uh, it was that's all I, the I had the, always the, done the byproducts of the book. I was always very good at marketing and branding. That's how yeah. I got so many contracts that I got because I would get a contract in New York Fashion Week, and right. then I would go in and, and arrange how to do VIP packages, how to lay out the website, how to get the tonality and the copy. So I always had a passion for for marketing. But yeah. I was doing it through the concierge side. And I've spoken at Harvard on every kind of you know TV show and media that you can think of on the world of luxury, how right. to sell to the affluent, how to engage affluent clients. So I was very used to speaking, but my market changed. When the book came out, I was now speaking to real estate agents. I was speaking to car salesmen on, hey, how do we communicate? You know, mm -hmm. how do you you know, the buffoon you are, get to do the things you do. And so the marketplace changed, the stages changed. And yeah, it all was because of the book, because people would read the book and go, hang on a minute, this bricklayer does this, you know, that would work for my insurance sales team. Yeah, you know, I did a convention for, uh, for um, an industry for uh, aluminum ball bearings. I didn't even know there was a conference for it, but there was an annual conference for aluminum ball bearings. And I was the keynote speaker. Um, so yeah, I've been out there now, literally trying to get people out of the way of their own intelligence to start branding and marketing and communicating accurately and appropriately. Yeah. You know, as I, I went into reading your book thinking, I want to learn all the ways that Steve does all this crazy stuff that he's done for people. But as you get into it, you start realizing that all of these, you know, these 45 blue fishing playbook tips, you can apply it to any business. So I was thinking, you know, how can how can an industrial company apply this? Because I, I own an industrial engineering company that we do repairs, but I also have a marketing company. And I'm reading this going like everything in here, like everyone can do this in their business. And it doesn't have to be because you're trying to sell a Rolex. <laughs> Did it annoy you? What's that? Did, did the book aggravate you? Um, no, I, I, I fucking loved it. I, I just enjoyed so, it. I, I read it 
And I sent it out to a few people, and some of the responses I got that I absolutely liked, and you've actually just said it. By the way, if no one's heard, I don't think we've mentioned a book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. There you go, shallow plug. Um, <laughs> when I did the book, there was nothing difficult in it. And you, you just clarified that. It was so simple and impactful that you're right. I've got, I've got coaching clients now that own plumbing companies, and I've got clients that own a very high level, um, some of the best cosmetic lines, a very large company that I do. So the spectrum of where this sits is so wide. But the daft thing is, we sit there and we go, oh, I'm going to launch my company. I need to get my funnel systems and I need to yeah. synchronize this and I need this. And, oh, I better pay you know, $60,000 for a CRM program that can turn the coffee on in the morning. They overcomplicate shit. Yeah. And there's me going, send a postcard, you know, yeah. do this, do that. I've well, got I, thought, I thought I wasn't just sending a postcard because even people can even overcomplicate sending a postcard. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about you know, being on a flight from LA to New York and grabbing the Sky Mall magazine, ripping something out and, and writing three sentences and sending it to someone. I mean, I think it's it's so simple. It's it's brilliant that I think people miss the fact that, you know, business is personal. And there you have it. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of the Amplifier podcast. If you'd like to learn more about or get in touch with Steve Sims or our host, Don Cooper, then you can do so at any time by following their links in the description of this episode. And remember that if you or your company are ever looking to start a podcast, then you can do so the easiest way by checking out our custom podcast creator at AmplifiedPodcast.com. But with all that said, I truly do hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Amplifier Podcast, and we cannot wait to see you here next time.